Hello, this is Sally welcoming you to the 2352nd edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper, dateline the 21st of July 2023. The readers this week are Ali and Alastair with Ian on the controls. Editing, production and distribution is by the team. Our title music is Country Rock Poker, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer. It is performed by Jean-Jacques Perret and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent and the Enfield Dispatch and are their copyright. For the week beginning the 24th of July, the sunrise time is 05.12 and the sunset time is 21.01. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 07899. 854-582. She is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Ali will read the lead story. MP hits out at station ticket office closures as consultation nears end. A local MP has slammed the planned closures of railway ticket offices in Enfield, warning the most vulnerable residents will be hit the hardest. Enfield North MP Ferriel Clark says the proposals risk exacerbating the managed decline of the rail network and is urging the government to think again. Nine of the borough's ticket offices have been earmarked for closure under plans to modernise the UK rail network. The Rail Delivery Group, an industry body, says just 12% of rail tickets were sold at ticket offices last year and the changes would mean staff providing more face-to-face support in customer help roles. But the plans have drawn widespread widespread criticism from unions, MPs and passenger groups over the potential for job losses and warnings that vulnerable rail users could lose out. Ferial has launched a petition against the closures at Brimsdown, Enfield Lock and Gordon Hill stations, all in her constituency. The Enfield North MP said the planned ticket office closures at Brimsdown, Enfield Lock and Gordon Hill will hit the most vulnerable members of our community, including elderly and disabled residents, the hardest. The closures will also be deeply worrying to the staff employed in Enfield North who help our community on a daily basis. Railroading this plan through without consideration for passengers only risks exacerbating the managed decline of the rail network please sign the petition and call on the government to halt these plans and come clean about the damage the closures will do. The petition warns that basic questions on how the closures will impact disabled and older passengers and the rollout of technology in stations have been left unanswered. Ticket offices at Enfield Chase, Grange Park, Winchmore Hill, Palmer's Green, Hadley Wood and New Southgate have also been earmarked for closures under the pan. A Department for Transport spokesman said these industry-led consultations are about enhancing the role of station workers and getting staff out from behind ticket office screens and into more active customer-facing roles that will allow them to better support all passengers. 
This is not about cutting jobs. No station which is currently staffed will be unstaffed as a result of these proposed reforms. We have been consistently honest about the need for our railways to modernise if they are going to survive. Reviewing the role of the ticket offices, with the least busy selling only one ticket an hour, is a crucial part of this. And there was an update on the 26th of July. The consultation had been due to end on the 26th of July, but has now been extended until the 1st of September. Francesca Kane, chair of Hadley Wood Rail User Group, is another of those critical of the proposed closures. She said, despite being the critical amenity providing the one daily public transport service for our community, Hadleywood Station is already barely staffed and these proposals can only worsen the services provided by Great Northern. Not only will both vulnerable and non-tech savvy and occasional rail users be especially disadvantaged, but there is also the danger of collateral damage to the availability of the station toilet which Great Northern has decreed can only be open when the station is staffed. School given good rating. A school with a nurturing environment for its pupils has been praised by Ofsted inspectors. The children at Southgate's Walker Primary also showed impressive behaviour, which has judged school to be outstanding in attitudes and personal development. The school in Waterfall Road received a good rating following the Ofsted inspection. Our school is a very special place to learn, Walker School's proud head teacher Raki Taylor said. The inspectors recognised our vision through speaking with pupils and visiting lessons. The inspectors commented on the ambitious curriculum with its strong achievement, particularly in English, maths and science. The report found warmth, ambition and a real sense of community with the highest expectations including pupils with special educational needs or disabilities. It added, they enjoy coming to school every day, their behaviour is exemplary, pupils of all ages play together in a joyful and considerate manner. The school was also praised for its approach to staff workload and teachers' commitment to improve the curriculum. North Enfield's Sunday 11 fell to defeat against FM Arthurs in a thrilling encounter that went down to the penultimate over, writes William Munt. Home captain Freddie Pearson chose to bat on a sticky wicket and saw David Brandon hold out to mid-on. But Ishan Tilakaratna sparked the game into life and after being dropped first ball, made the visitors pay. Striking the ball cleanly and hitting 24 off one over, he raced to 50 and shared a 117-run partnership with William Munt for the second wicket. By the time he fell as a catch, finally went to the hand to end his entertaining innings of 83 from 51 balls with three sixes and ten fours, had the hosts in a strong position at 139 for two from 25 overs. Soon after, Pearson arrived, 
Munt reached a much more tranquil 50 and both upped the tempo, finding the boundary to push the score towards 200. Munt was caught at deep mid-wicket in the 38th over, ending a 59-run partnership and his 117-ball innings at 89. But Pearson and Andy Cargan led the hosts to an imposing 219 for three from 40 overs. Oliver Munt claimed two early wickets as veteran Richard Saunders took an incredible diving catch at Gully after Tilakaratna had been denied a stunning one-handed catch by a no ball. The visitors were soon 70 for three as Saunders lured a batter to edge into the gloves of Tilakaratna, but a 74-run stand gave Arthur's hope, and although Pearson struck two quick blows, the hosts lost by five wickets. Huge rent hike for allotments. Tenants on an allotment site in Ponders End fear huge rent hikes planned by Enfield Council will force them off their plots. Falcon Fields Allotments in Church Road is home to more than 200 small plots, many from low-income and ethnic minority backgrounds. As well as being a source of cheap, fresh food, the allotments give them a chance to relax, exercise and get together with other members of the community. But in April this year... Enfield Council put up signs around the site announcing it was taking over the management and upping annual rents plus water charges from £70 to £220 for Enfield residents and £299 for those living in other boroughs. The council says the increases, which are set to take effect from next April, will bring fees into line with other Enfield allotments and concessions will be available but many tenants already being squeezed by the cost-of-living crisis say they will struggle to afford the new payments. Roy Park has had his plot for between 11 and 12 years. I grow veg, cabbage, fruit, a few flowers, potatoes, peas, beans, he said. These things are shared with my family who come here. I bring my children, who come up with their children. They love it in the summer. If they increase the rent to that amount of money, obviously I will have to consider giving up the plot. For the council to come and do what they are doing with no communication with us, physically, it is not right. Determined to fight back against the council's actions, the tenants have now called for an investigation into its takeover of the site. They say they were not consulted on the move, and many only found out when they read signs put up around their plots. During online meetings with council staff, they say officers from the authority pledged to visit and talk to the tenants, but failed to do so. The tenants claim the council's decision followed the mismanagement of the site by a previous committee, which failed to submit annual accounts. The tenants formed a new committee to run the allotments, but say the council is refusing to recognise it. Monique said the site was run by an association, and the council had, had been ignoring plot holders since 2013 because we had a few issues with the management of the association. When we went to the council, they did not recognise us or take us seriously. And when the lease came up to be renewed, they didn't talk to us at all. If the council did recognise their committee, the tenants believe it would give them more of a voice and could prevent the authority from imposing such steep increases in rent. 
the local democracy reporting service asked Enfield Council why it was refusing to recognise the new committee, why it took over the running of the site, and whether it had launched an investigation into the matter. But the authority did not answer. A council spokesperson said, The council has returned the management of Falcon Fields allotments directly to the authority. The council is not collecting any fees from plot holders at Falcon Fields until April 2024, when the fields fees will align with all other allotment plots within the borough. Appropriate concessions will be available to those that meet set criteria. During the lead-up to the change, the council held several meetings with stakeholders to inform them of the revised management. Notices were displayed throughout the site and a representative from the council has been present at the allotments for three days per week since April the 17th to communicate with current plot holders. Enfield Town Bank branch closing down. Virgin Money is closing 39 of its stores across the country. Virgin Money has announced plans to close its Enfield Town branch as one of 39 closures across the country caused by changing customer demand. Virgin Money says the number of customers using bank branches for day-to-day transactions has been on a downward trajectory for a number of years. The stores which are closing have seen an average reduction in customer transactions of 43% since March 2020 and 96% of customers in these stores are transacting less than once a month on average. The Enfield branch was assessed with careful consideration of the impact on the local area as well as the needs of vulnerable customers and the accessibility of alternative services, such as free-to-use ATMs and post offices. It will close later this year, but no date has been announced. Each store closing is less than half a mile from the nearest post office, which customers can use to carry out day-to-day transactions, including cash deposits and withdrawals, cheque deposits and balance inquiries, as well as coin exchange. Sarah Wilkinson, Chief Operating Officer at Virgin Money, said, The decision to close a store is never taken lightly, but as our customers continue to change the way they want to bank with us by conducting fewer transactions in-store and adopting the convenience of digital banking, we must respond to that evolving demand. Our focus is on supporting our customers and colleagues. We have considered the number of vulnerable customers using each store very carefully throughout the review process as a key factor in our decision-making and will proactively provide enhanced, bespoke care to ensure any vulnerable customers affected are supported through the changes. For our colleagues... We will pursue all options to retain as many as possible within alternative roles and have had great success previously with store colleagues moving to other customer operations roles as their skills are highly transferable. For each affected store, written notification will be sent to customers and posters will be displayed at least 12 weeks before they close, providing details on the alternative ways customers continue to manage their accounts, including nearest alternative stores, ATMs 
and post office counters. Virgin Money has also said it will support affected colleagues with finding alternative roles wherever possible, but that some will be at risk of redundancy. Following the reduction of 39 branches, Virgin Money will have a network of 91 stores across the UK. Edmonton charity workers climb African peak as part of aid mission to continent. An eight-strong team of staff and volunteers from an Edmonton Green aid charity has completed a climb of Mount Kilimanjaro, Africa's highest peak. Time to Help UK, which combines social activities with aid efforts, is dedicated to offering new alternative programmes to young people. The charity's team took seven days to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and made many new friends along the way. Beyond the personal challenge of conquering this majestic mountain, the Time to Help UK team's primary goal was to raise awareness about the difficult living conditions faced by many in Tanzania and wider East Africa. A fundraising drive also raised an impressive £40,000, with a significant proportion being utilised to establish a bakery project, providing essential daily bread for individuals affected by the ongoing war in Yemen. Following the completion of the Mount Kilimanjaro climb, Time to Help's UK's volunteers are now travelling to Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. There, they will sponsor and actively participate in renovating an orphanage for young children. In addition, they plan to inaugurate four water wells, meeting the drinking water needs of approximately 9,000 people in Dar es Salaam. They also aim to sponsor 10 girls attending a government school in Bagamayo who currently lack the financial means to stay in the school's dormitory. Rana Akturk from the 4th Street-based charity said, We are proud to share that our activities will continue beyond this expedition. In September, we have planned aid programmes in Kenya and in October and we will be focusing on aid programmes in Uganda. Huge London venue to open, all change for IKEA Warehouse. A disused IKEA will be transformed into one of London's largest indoor venues. The 608,000 square foot warehouse will become drum sheds and will have more capacity than places such as Wembley Arena and Alexandra Palace once it opens this September. The site at Glover Drive, Tottenham, was home to Swedish furniture warehouse IKEA for 17 years before it closed in 2022. Its space will offer a carefully curated programme of cultural venue for music, arts, culture and community, owners Broadwick have said. Drumsheds is a new venture for the company known for turning a disused printing press in Rotherhithe into the much-loved clubbing destination Printworks, which has now closed. Located just four minutes from Tottenham Hale Station, it is hoped the venue will attract people across the capital. Broadwick says that complete set builds, fashion shows and music events will be just some of the examples of events hosted at the place, which can hold up to 15,000 guests. 
Comparatively, Wembley Arena, London's second largest indoor arena after the O2, can hold 12,500 seats. Much like Printworks, the warehouse will retain an industrial feel with old lift shafts and loading bays kept in the arena. Simeon Aldred, the Director of Strategy at Broadwick, said, Broadwick's mission has always been to build brands that deliver unrivaled live experiences that create real impact. We are proud to announce Drumsheds, set to be London's most impactful cultural space of its kind, set across 608,000 square feet in North London. We want Drumsheds, like all the spaces we create, to be new centres of cultural gravity that provide the basis for human connection, a connection that people crave now more than ever. Rao erupts over cut-to-council tax support scheme for poorest families. Enfield Council wants to cut the maximum discount it provides on tax bills to 50%, reports Simon Allen, local democracy reporter. Thousands of low-income households in Enfield could face having to pay more council tax to reduce mounting financial pressure on the civic centre. A shake-up of Enfield's council tax support scheme, which helps around one in three of the borough's households, could see the local authority cut the maximum discount it provides from 75.5% of bills down to 50%. Last year, the council ruled out increasing the minimum payment made by residents supported via the scheme. Instead, it introduced a banding system based on income that still saw some households lose up to £1,455 per year. But with budget pressures continuing to grow, it is now proposed upping minimum payments. The council says high interest rates and inflation have pushed up the cost of running the discount scheme from £30 million in 2018 to more than £40 million today, with a figure set to rise to £50 million by 2026. It claims the changes will bring it into line with the London average, and it plans to invest £1 million into a hardship fund to help residents who are most in need. But a political row has already broken out over the proposed changes. James Hockney, the Conservative Group's shadow cabinet member for finance, blamed the Labour administration's financial mismanagement for heaping pain on those who can least afford it. He said, Labour decided to become one of the most indebted London councils, despite our repeated warnings of the risks. Debt interest from the frontline services budget has surged to £32 million this year and will continue to rise each year to £46 million in three years' time. The Labour administration's actions mean tens of millions of pounds is tied up in a debt bubble rather than on frontline services. This is why they don't have the money for council tax support, with these cuts falling heaviest in the lower-income households in Edmonton and the east of the borough. Labour say they care about the hard-pressed taxpayer, but their actions say otherwise. Tim Lever, the council's cabinet member for finance and procurement, hit back at the comments saying, Enfield Conservatives still don't get it. After 13 years of austerity, a government that wrecked the economy and has failed to stop inflation 
conservative mismanagement is costing us all. The government used to fund council tax support schemes until the Conservatives slashed it and then cut Enfield's budget by £82 million a year. Despite Conservative cuts, our Labour-run Enfield Council has consistently managed its robust budget robustly and responsibly. The Cross-Party Local Government Association recognised this in their recent review of Enfield Council, specifically commenting on the resilience of council finances. And whilst Enfield Conservatives continue to oppose any strategic borrowing to see improvements in our borough, Enfield Labour will continue to invest for the future, including to deliver much-needed affordable housing. Further proposed changes to the support scheme include capping the maximum discount at band C property levels and changing the calculations on multiple non-dependent adults in one property. Members of the Council's Cabinet will decide whether to launch a 12-week public consultation on the proposals in September. No affordable homes for controversial development. All 148 new homes now approved as build-to-let only following changes to scheme. Plans to slash the number of affordable homes on a controversial Brimsdown Tower Block scheme have been approved by councillors. The proportion of affordable homes on Stonegate Homes 148 Home Development at 241 Green Street near Brimsdown Station has been cut from 49% to just 25%, with the social rent tenure dropped from the scheme entirely. Previous plans by the developer to build tower blocks up to 16 storeys high at the site, which were approved in December 2020, featured 73 affordable units with 46 set aside for London affordable rent, which is a social rent level. The Council's Planning Committee considered the affordable housing provision to be one of the key benefits of the scheme, which had faced criticism over its size and appearance. One local resident described the planned towers as an eyesore that would significantly alter the character of the surrounding area. But on Tuesday last week, the Planning Committee approved revised proposals containing only 37 affordable homes after a report by officers said the original scheme was no longer financially viable. All the affordable homes will now be at an intermediate tenure, 30% below market rates. Matt Byrne from local housing campaign group Better Homes Enfield (coughs) criticised the decision. He said, it's becoming a familiar game. The original application was approved on the basis that 46 of the 148 homes would be social rent homes. The application has now been amended so that none of the homes will be social rent, not a single one. We desperately need more social rent homes in Enfield. By approving this application, the council has let those families down. 
Council policies state that developments of 10 or more units should contribute to a borough-wide target of providing 40% affordable housing. But a report by council planning officers said a financial viability assessment had demonstrated that the previously approved scheme was not practicable and that changes to housing type and affordability would enable the project to move forward. It pointed out that more weight needed to be given to new housing applications because Enfield has repeatedly failed to meet its housing bu- house building targets. Stonegate Homes was approached for comment. Prestigious, prestigious Drama Award for School Enfield Borough Schools came away with awards at this year's Rudolph Walker Interschools Drama Awards 2023 at the Shaw Theatre London. Best Production was awarded to Fresh Steps Independent School for Expectations, a play about the superpowers young people with special needs have and how to understand what they are going through. It was thought-provoking, humorous and had great sound effects. The play was acted by six amazing students, Emmanuel Papula, Kimo Katia Ogundipa, Kayana Degal, Michael Harper, Ruben Fakukunde and Caleb Brown. Each of the seven grand finalist schools from across England that performed at the Shaw Theatre were assigned a celebrity mentor from the world of television, film, theatre and performing arts. Award-winning actress, writer, producer and director Simone Larbib, known for her roles in Bad Girls, Wire in the Blood and Downton Abbey, was Fresh Steps' mentor. She will be back on our screen soon in Grantchester 8. Theodore Williams from Haringey's Mulberry Woodside Academy School won Best Actor in their play, Facade, playing the role of a promising football player who really wants to have a career as a fashion designer. With the support of his best friend, he has the strength to stand up to his parents and coach to live his dream. The Drama Awards were created by Rudolph Walker, OBE, one of Britain's best-loved actors and statesmen. He said of this year, I was approached by a parent during the break from Fresh Steps School and they said to me, I've seen a side of my son that I never knew existed and I thank you. That meant everything to me, changing lives. There were performances by Platinum Performing Arts and highlights from Rudolph Walker's Bridging the Gap project. The Rudolph Walker ISDA was first pioneered in the 1970s in Brixton and then, after a near 30-year break, came back. It is now an established part of school achievement. The awards enable young people to use their spare time in a positive way and build their confidence and self-esteem. The Rudolph Walker's ISDA is a competition where young people have to write and perform their own play and, if selected for the grand final, receive the support of a celebrity mentor who will give guidance to each group to perfect their ideas and skills. Average Enfield worker needs 27 years to save for average Enfield house. New analysis ranks Enfield 17th among London boroughs for housing affordability when comparing with average wage levels. A single Enfield resident earning a typical local salary, would need to save for more than 27 years to be able to afford a minimum 10% deposit for an average detached house in the borough. 
according to new analysis. A study by Carla Holmes looked at the median weekly salary in over 130 UK towns, boroughs and cities and worked out how long it would take a single person to save for a 10% deposit for the median detached house price in the same area. Enfield has a weekly average salary of £695 and a median detached house price of £1 million, meaning it would take someone earning this much 27 years and 244 days to save a 10% deposit. In its ranking of London boroughs, Enfield comes out 17th for housing affordability when taking into account local wage levels. Barking and Dagenham was the most affordable with a saving time of 14 years, while Westminster was, unsurprisingly, the least affordable, where an average resident would be relying on revolutionary medical breakthroughs to save for a deposit over 146 years. The data is based on a person saving just 10% of their salary to account for bills, rising costs and other outgoings. Across all of London, the average saving time is 37 years and 183 days. These figures only represent how long it would take a single person to save for the full 10% deposit. So those that are buying with someone else could cut this figure in half. Glenn Copper, sales and marketing director for Carla Home, said, Against the backdrop of a housing and cost of living crisis, some schemes such as Deposit Unlock could offer more people an opportunity to own a new home by giving them access to low-deposit mortgages. It could also help buyers to significantly reduce the time it takes to save for a new home. And it isn't just for first-time buyers. The scheme is open to home movers and those looking to return to the market following separation or divorce. If you are currently paying money towards your rent and you prefer to pay this towards buying a new home, then it could be worth exploring what Deposit Unlock could do to make buying a new home more affordable for you. Enfield Town Boss wants more goals. Enfield Town Boss Gavin McPherson admitted he wants to see more goals from his side after another pre-season stalemate at the weekend. Town played out a second successive nil-nil draw against Bracknell Town on Saturday having held Tottenham's development squad in midweek. But they were created plenty of chances against their Southern League visitors, especially in the first half, to give McPherson some encouragement. I was pleased with the way we played. There are new concepts being added as we develop, and I'm seeing pretty much what I want to see for pre-season at Step 3, McPherson told the club website. I am, however, fully aware that we all like to see some goals and from the number of clear chances we created, we should win the game comfortably. So the in-possession creativity is on schedule, but we need to start taking responsibility in front of goal whilst continuing to look solid. Rhys Beckles-Richards had two good chances to open the scoring with Sami Basadi also denied by visiting keeper Michael Ecott. 
Joe Payne's free kick was also saved, while Oliver Knight's cross hit the top of the crossbar. Zidane Ackers fired into the side netting at the other end, while Reese Foster saved well from a trialist. But the game became more disjointed after a raft of substitutions just past the hour mark. Kean Wilkes had a far post header saved by Ecott, while Town's second string defence protected Adi Connolly from serious threat. A crowd of 1,125 had seen the Spurs youngsters in action a few days earlier, with Forster denying Dante Casanova with a fine fingertip save in the first half. Addy Connolly pushed a second-half effort onto a post as the scoreline remained blank, with McPherson saying, very pleased with our work. Your out-of-possession work is worth a lot of points. What we saw is what we've been working on in training. We can now tick that box to an extent and move on to what we want to build with the ball. Town are due to visit Waltham Abbey on Saturday after a midweek trip to Welling Garden City. Enfield made it five wins from five in pre-season with success against Cambridge City on Saturday. Jamie Curtin's men fell behind early on but drew level through Samurai Gabrai and sealed a 2-1 win with a penalty from Roman Campbell. Ease are due to face Hartford Town on Saturday. Enfield Borough start the new Thurlow Nunn League Division 1 South season with a home game against Parkview on Tuesday, August 1st at 7.45. Forty Hall awarded the coveted green flag. Volunteers, the Friends of Parks and Enfield Council, are celebrating after Forty Hall Park received a green flag award. The news that Forty Hall Park has achieved the accreditation, the international quality mark for parks and green spaces, is testament to the hard work and dedication of the team that cares for the green space. The Green Flag Award Scheme, managed by environmental charity Keep Britain Tidy, under licence from the Department for Leveling Up, Housing and Communities, recognises and rewards well-managed parks and green spaces, setting the benchmark standard for the management of green spaces across the United Kingdom and around the world. Enfield Girl raises £2,000 for charity after sponsored walk across London. Tally was raising money for Marie Curie in memory of two of her grandparents the charity cared for. An infield girl walked 12 miles across London to raise money for Marie Curie after the charity cared for her two grandfathers. Ahead of her 12th birthday, Tally Bolkova walked the 12.4 miles from her Enfield home to Marie Curie's head office in South London to raise funds for the end-of-life charity that cared for both her grandfathers. Setting off from home at 8am last Tuesday, the 18th, and accompanied by her parents, Tally reached Marie Curie's offices in Nine Elms at around 3.15pm and was met by staff who cheered her on during the final stretch. Tally took on the challenge 
ahead of her birthday yesterday as part of the charity fundraising element of her bat mitzvah. The family originally hoped to raise £500, but their just giving page has now raised a total of 1,932. Tally's mum, Janie, said Tally was brilliant during the walk. She didn't moan once the whole time. She knew she wanted to set herself a challenge as part of her Zedekah, and it made sense to fundraise for Marie Curie, who looked after both of her grandpas before they died. Marie Curie nurses supported and connected with us and were there for our family when we needed them most. So this was a lovely opportunity to give back. Marie Curie is the UK's leading end-of-life charity, and last year, 46 thousand people were cared for by Marie Curie nurses and healthcare assistants and his information and support services were accessed around 1.2 million times. Marie Curie community fundraiser Tracy Annunziato said Tally is an inspiration. She set herself a huge challenge and accomplished it all while smashing her fundraising target. It's thanks to fundraisers like Tally and her parents that Marie Curie can offer care and support to people affected by terminal illness and their families. Marie Curie has been caring for patients and families for 75 years this year. The charity provides care to patients at home or in one of its nine hospices throughout the UK, as well as offering pre- and post-bereavement support through the free information and support phone line. Panthera under 11's complete memorable treble. A team of talented young female footballers from North London have triumphed once again in a national tournament. Panthera FC under 11's beat Burke's Elite AFC 3 0 in the final of the one tournament national final 2023 at Lillishaw National Sports Centre in Shropshire. The win completes an historic treble for the team and Panthera FC after winning the seven-a-side ESF Grand Finale at England's £105 million National Football Centre in Burton-upon-Trent and the under-12 invitation-only ACES Nationals Tournament at the University of Nottingham. The team is made up of Captain Megan Meehan, goalkeeper Holly Sawyer, Maisie Henry, Bray Roth, Summer Sinfield, Molly Harris, Oliver Wolfson, Iris Roberts, Willow Musset, Olivia Hutchinson, Ava Featherstone and Annabelle Bayer. Most of the team are based across North London in Harrow, Barnet and Finchley, respectively. The team is coached by Panthera FC owner Arsenio Lima, who said, This is the first time any group of Panthera players has won a treble, and we're told it's also the first time any girls' team has won these three prestigious tournaments in the same season. This group of players is unique, and I am sure that one day they will represent their country. Panthera FC fields teams from 4 to 14-year-olds who train all year round at Whitefield School in Brent Cross and play home games 
at Ashmole Academy in Southgate. Warning over ULES scam websites as expansion date looms. Sadiq Khan has warned drivers not to be fooled by scam websites which claim to offer an easier way of paying the ultra-low emission zone charge. The mayor urged people driving non-compliant vehicles within the zone to ensure they pay the £12.50 charge using the official Transport for London website. He added that TfL was working to ensure its website is promoted by Google over third-party platforms in search results. The warning came after Len Duval, Labour group leader on the London Assembly, said one of his Greenwich and Lewisham constituents had been duped into paying the charge by online scammers. He asked Khan in a written question what he was doing to make people aware of where to pay. The mayor said TfL has no association with third-party organisations who operate unofficial websites, accepting payments of road-user charging charges, usually at a higher rate. He said... TfL encourages all motorists to use their official site to pay the charge. Paid-for search activity is being deployed so that Google's search engine displays the official TfL website in a high position at the top or near the top of the page. Unfortunately, when people are searching to pay, internet search engines don't always suggest the official TfL pay-to-drive web page at the top of their search results. This means that people may be offered a link to an unofficial payment site. The official TfL website advises customers how to pay, how to avoid payment fraud, and TfL works proactively with search engine companies such as Google, as well as with advertising standards and trading standards, to remove unofficial websites entirely from the internet. TfL said some of these unofficial websites claim to offer additional services, but that such services are either non-existent or are already provided by TfL without charge. These sites can charge a premium of up to £8 extra, the organisation said. They added that false claims are frequently made by these websites, such as stating TfL do not process payments securely, or that they share drivers' personal data with others, neither of which are true. ULES, which requires older, more polluting vehicles to pay the daily penalty if driving within the zone, currently covers the area within the North Circular and South Circular roads but it is expanding on the 29th of August to cover the whole of London. The expansion plan has been blamed by senior Labour politicians as the main reason why the party lost last week's by-election at Uxbridge and South Ryslip. But the mayor has said he remains committed to it while listening to Londoners' concerns. Sources close to Khan have suggested he is willing to consider additional measures to reduce the impact on low-income Londoners, but is not prepared to delay the zone's widening or relax the enforcement rules. A legal challenge has meanwhile been brought against by the expansion plan by five Conservative-run councils, with the High Court likely to issue its decision this week on whether the plan is lawful. Fire investigation launched. Firefighters tackled the blaze at a derelict health centre in Enfield for more than an hour last week. The London Fire Brigade, LFB, received more than 21 calls about the fire in Moorfield Road last Thursday. Four fire engines and around 25 firefighters were first called out to the blaze at around 12.45pm. 
The LFB described the fire on the first floor of the derelict building as small and said that it caused a small amount of damage. The blaze, tackled by crews from Enfield, Edmonton and Chingford, was under control by 1.49pm. An investigation into the cause of the fire has now been launched. We have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So from the team of Sally, Ali, Alistair and Ian on controls, it's goodbye. goodbye. Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the packet in a closed position and return it to us as soon as possible in readiness for the next edition. You can now also listen to our podcast by searching for Enfield Talking Newspaper on your favourite podcast app or listen to us on your smart speaker by saying Play Podcast Enfield Talking Newspaper. Don't forget you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with Enfield Talking Newspaper on 07899. 854582 The Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time.